And now it's time for Eastcast and reports from coastal stations. East at Sierra, West at Sierra, Southwest at Sierra, and North Northeast at Sierra. Wind southwest, rain at times, good. Forties, fifties, sixties, Tyne, Dogger, German Bite, French Kiss and Swiss Roll, westerly becoming cyclonic, good. Right here in London's East End. Operating at any level, any time, anywhere, and with anybody. Who are they? One might be your secretary, your doctor's receptionist, or a dancer in a go-go club. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Now, now, now. Hello and welcome to Eastcast. We're here as usual recording in the Abbott Street Studios in Dalston, bringing you the very best in arts and culture from East London. Yes, and thank you to everyone who got in touch after the last show. Um, if you do want to get in touch with Eastcast for any reason or you've got some good suggestions, then feel free to. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook and we have a website, eastcastshow.com. On the show today... Look at him! He's beautiful! What's that written? Oh, I wish my car ran like that. Darling, surely you don't intend to go through with this, this preposterous... Hey, you bet I do. If you're lucky, if you're smart, you have yourself a little bet on me. You just heard an extract from the play Heaven Can Wait. I talked to Alex Magliero, the lead actor from the play. And we've got a busy studio today and we've got a live band later on in the show, um, which Pearl's going to tell you about in a bit. Um, we also have some guests today. Um, they are Isaac and Layla from New Cafe, the newest cafe in Roman Road, Mishima. Very exciting cafes. And I've got another little sound effect for you. Ten, nine, we have ignition sequence start. Engines on, five, four, three, two, all engines running. Yes, I delve into outer space and talk to the curator of a very interesting um, set of NASA images from the 60s, 70s and 80s. And loads of music for you on the show from bands and artists all playing in East London over the next fortnight. Um, we also have some live music uh, on the show from all the Queen's Ravens who will be talking to later. And um, stay tuned to hear sounds from uh, Pharaoh. Uh, Predator, Naked on Drugs, Pattern. And first, let me introduce you to Kendra Morris. Now, she's um, this is from her first single. Uh, she's a New York-based singer-songwriter and her album Banshee um, has just been released. And uh, she's got a very powerful soul sound and you can definitely hear some Amy Winehouse ins inspiration in there. And she actually looks like her a bit. Um, kind of lots of tattoos got that kind of vintage but she, vintage vibe about her but she's got red hair so she's kind of like mm, a ginger it. version of uh, Amy Winehouse so um, she's actually playing at the Servant Jazz Quarters on Thursday the 27th of February um, the gig's already sold out but you might get lucky on the door so if you like it try your luck there so this is Kendra Morris with Concrete Waves <laughs> 
So that was Kendra Morris, Concrete Waves. Now, um, we're here in the studio with um, Isaac and Layla from Mishima. Uh, Mishima's a cafe, a gig, uh, a gig venue, an art gallery and a community space in Bow, East London. Um, it's in Roman Road, so um, newest, one of the newest, most exciting cafes in Roman Road. Um, so welcome, guys. How are you doing? Okay, thank you. <laughs> good. good. Good thank to have you. you. So um, you guys have created something really special in um, in Mushima. Um, can can you tell me kind of like about when the idea first came about and what was the vision that you had initially for Mushima? No, Isaac, go ahead. Um, well, we kind of moved moved to Bo uh, two years ago. When we first arrived there, we noticed that there's no community around, so we had to kind of come with something and yeah, Leila and I start talking about it and we have decided why not start a coffee shop and that's when the idea started. And can you tell us about the name because it means something doesn't it? <laughs> uh, Mushima uh, means heart in Angolan dialect. Okay and that's where you're from? Yeah. And um, you have a kind of um, sort of ethos for displaying art and and people's work from around the world. Um, what kind of artists have you kind of exhibited in, in Mishima? Well, a range of local and international artists, and you know they range from people from Angola, from France, from Italy, from the UK, and both of us are artists ourselves, so we felt it was important and important to both of us in the community to share art in many different ways right and um you you guys i I know you from uh mishima in fairfield road um but you've now moved to roman road um and there was a point where uh you know we we were a bit worried about the future of mishima but now you're in roman road and it's um it's all amazing and um successful and how are you kind of like feeling about being in roman road and the transition um, it was a good experience being in Fairfield because it gave us the chance to grow. I mean, coming to Roman Road only cement us into the community because it's all about the community in a sense. And besides, you know, without the community, there would be no Mishima. Just, uh, yeah. Um, cool. And uh, so you're, you're in Roman Road, which is like a very historical kind of road. There's the market's been there since the 1960s. So you're in quite an iconic place in East London. Um, how are you guys going to kind of work with what's going on in Roman Road already? You know, have you got plans for festivals and things like that? Well, I think first it's really exciting to get to know the locals and because there's, there's many families that have been there for generations. So I think that's the first, the first point for us is to get to know them and, and see what we can do with them and how that evolves Mushima in its own way. Have you been well received so far? Um, no complaints so far. <laughs> <laughs> no one's thrown a brick through your window. So. Brilliant. So, so what's coming up in the, in the coming months then? Any sort of highlights that you're particularly excited about? Uh, we, we're having... Um, one of the, the reasons also we do Mushima is also to kind of bring different communities and and traditions together. So we are bringing uh, on Sunday, there will be the 45s, uh, be presented by Matt Temple. 
from Matsui production. I've actually heard some of this music, a little snippet of it, and I tell you, it's it's a good mix of music, a really good... And is he going to be doing that monthly? Yeah, it will be a monthly event. Um, it's part of a, an ongoing event that we're looking at called Sunday Lounge, which is a focus on music, on different types, how you can do jams or how you can do DJ sets or you know informal gigs and so matt will be kicking that off for us so it'd be the last sunday of each month so people can just wander into mashima on a sunday and experience awesome music for free yep essentially (laughs) and food available as well yeah we we have got a different kind of um different varieties of foods uh being a coffee kind of a place we uh, mostly can have the their housemates food and so on okay we've got a chef that's come in from druthy social who they're very local as well and so it's nice he's come on board tom tom mr tom farley so the crew is expanding yeah (laughs) well keep us um you know in keep in touch with us and let us know what's happening in the in the coming months and you know we're excited about hearing more in the future and yeah i just want to say oh uh, go on Um, we are having also um tedx which will be um, every Thursday, last Thursday of the month, that we're going to be having the TEDx events. And we are bringing um, the jam session as well, uh, which will be the first uh, Sunday of the month and so on. But we're going to keep being informed. TEDx is just in case anyone doesn't know, it's inspirational speakers who come and talk about a subject and so you guys are holding that, hosting that and you can just come in and watch, maybe maybe be a TEDx speaker at some point in Bo. Well, we we, we have got um, um, a lady called Vicky Cameron. Uh, She's in charge of uh, all TEDx things and she's been promoting it quite well. Hopefully we're going to have a lot of people turn up. Awesome. We'll put details of the on um, on our website then and just and, before you go where where are you guys exactly we're number 618 roman road cool awesome. yeah. well thank thanks you. so much for coming in thank you. thank you so we are nts every other monday morning uh, at eight um or catch us anytime on eastcastshow.com or you can subscribe to our podcast on itunes so now for some music pearl what's next so next up, we have something from this still very young Norwegian, but London-based singer-songwriter, Kari Janssen. Um, she's also known as Faro, and uh, she's just brought out her first EP of the same name, um, which was actually recorded in Iceland, not in London. And she'll be playing at The Waiting Room in Stoke Newington, on Tuesday the 25th of February. So this is uh, Pharaoh with the hours.
That was Faro with the hours. So, space exploration. What once was the basis of science fiction and fantasy, of course, became a reality. But what is next? Celebrity space travel, courtesy of Richard Branson? I talked to the curator of a gallery that's selling some vintage photos from the NASA archives. My name is Henry Little. I run a gallery called Breeze Little in Clerkenwell with uh, my business partner, Josephine Breeze. And uh, we've been in Clerkenwell for, uh, this is our third year, and typically we show contemporary art, although at the moment we're hosting uh, a very exciting exhibition of vintage NASA photographs. So that's why I'm here to talk to you today. So can you tell me a bit about the collection of photographs you've got? So upstairs we have 134 vintage NASA photographs. Um, These really are um, wonderful documents of this kind of golden age of space exploration. Uh, that begins in 1960 uh, and the most recent photograph we have is 1983. So they span the crucial period of 1969 to 1972 when the Apollo missions uh, landed on the moon but also we have images from the Voyager and Viking missions to Mars and Jupiter uh, as well as very early Gemini missions. So we we have a, a very broad uh, overview of space exploration from the period. The beauty of the images that we have is that they're vintage prints. So all of the images are freely available online and of course everyone's incredibly familiar with the most famous images. But these these are printed either uh, the very week or the month or the year or the following year after whatever it is that is, has been photographed was seen. And so they're, they're more like a historical artifact than just an image. The image is, is obviously wonderful but it's kind of nature of them as objects that is very appealing. And how did your interest in this come about? Uh, So back in November 2011 there was quite an important uh, auction in London of uh, vintage NASA photographs and it was much bigger than what we have here but I actually bought a few for myself and bought some for the gallery and that kind of started this this interest in them from a personal point of view and then I bought a few more and then I started writing about them Uh, for a literary journal. I wrote a long essay, A Cultural History of the Moon. This interest in showing and selling them kind of emerged alongside a personal interest in terms of writing about space and science fiction. And in your writing, you talk a bit about sort of cultural aspect of this interest in space and how that sort of goes up and down. And and now we're seeing more interest because of films like Gravity. Can you tell me a little bit about that? So I think, you know, historically, obviously, I mean, there's not much new to say about the, you know, the Apollo landings, for example, in terms of the politics that are involved. Um, The piece I wrote, which was, say, a cultural history of the moon, took a much broader, uh, much wider sort of historical scope. So it starts really with foregrounding it in terms of man's interest in the moon as a spiritual or as a sacred body as a you know or, or actually as a god or a goddess in its own in its own right almost as a sort of a 
mysterious enchanted objects and this kind of um, appeal it has for mankind as this sort of amazing thing which hangs in the sky and has a sort of a real mystical weight to it. But actually as you come you know, much more closer to our own time um, and you look at the end of the Victorian period and where science fiction as a genre really starts to come into its own, you know, people really started to imagine that you could travel to the moon. Uh, and this is you know, more or less about 100 years before we actually got there. And what is interesting is less that people are imagining how you go to the moon, but more how they envisaged that journey to unfold. So one of the most interesting books I read was H.G. Wells' uh, First Men in the Moon. And this follows a sort of a, a bankrupt businessman and a, a sort of a very cold, callous scientist. And they managed to propel themselves to the moon using this kind of anti-gravity material. And they don't really... H.G. Wells doesn't spend much time really explaining how they get to the moon. They just kind of get there in this contraption. And what happens when they land on the moon is they encounter a race of selenites, a sort of an insect-like, you know, uh, species of moon dwellers. And the, the, the farce that plays out is actually, you know, kind of a colonial critique. But it gets even better because when we learn more about the Selenite society, it becomes clear that H.G. Wells is actually kind of examining his own concerns about his own political thinking and particularly Fabian thinking, which is sort of socialism, really. Uh, and the Selenite society is kind of based upon a real kind of deter class-bound determinism. So anyway, what I'm kind of getting at is that the moon really has this very kind of interesting, complex political content in fiction way before this complex political drama is played out you know by america and russia um and then you know for example in the 1950s there's a film called destination moon which is uh, is about american astronauts going to the moon but rather than being publicly funded it's privately funded and that again is kind of fascinating because that's before the current era now when we have branson and elon musk and all of these people you know privately funding journeys into space and so actually science fiction has been kind of way ahead but not really it's not really the fact that they they predicted it that's not really very interesting what is interesting is is the personal and political elements behind it and you know why we would go to the moon is there not an element of this sort of childlike you know fascination with with all things space and i think there is a, there is a childlike wonder and i think that is that is the wonder of us wondering about the universe you know all of the answers to the big questions that religion has previously answered of why are we here how do we get here and, and other questions like is there life outside of us you know those answers are to be found in space and will be found in space and the childlike wonder is one of fascination of of being out there which is not here and, and of the vastness of it and also the idea of you know, whether or not we are alone in the universe, because whichever way you cut it, it's going to be an amazing answer, because either we are alone, which, given the size of the universe, is just, I mean, unbelievably incredible, or we're not alone, which is equally incredible. But, you know, now there's amazing stats coming out that no one really pays that much attention to, but recent estimates have guessed there to be somewhere around 40 billion, there's 40 billion Earth-like planets, uh, that we've identified so far. And an Earth-like planet is one that can sustain water at a liquid temperature. And that's in this sort of um, zone called the Goldilocks zone. It's a brilliant name, uh, but it means that you're, in, you're not too far away enough from the star of your solar system and not too close to the star. So you're in this kind of zone of temperate 
conditions, which means that you can have liquid water and you're not going to fry to a crisp, essentially. While there's this amazing kind of noble rhetoric around the Apollo missions, actually that's a bit of a lie because it's not really about that, although it is kind of amazing. But now it's the, the new reality, although you wouldn't want to say like then was good and now is bad because it's obviously a bit simple. It's now is just really banal, you know. It's Richard Branson sending Ashton Kutcher up into space, and it's why? Why do we care? And I think you know that, that that's going to be an important question. You know, is it just going to be another extension of celebrity banality and you know rich people antics, or or is something meaningful going to come out of it? I think the answer is that ultimately it's going to be a much more complex answer. But um, now is a very interesting time, I think. And these photos in the gallery they're actually all for sale aren't they oh yeah very much so um they're all very reasonably priced um they're 300 pounds to 2000 pounds our exhibition program will change but yeah they will be here okay fantastic henry little thank you very much thank you very much so yeah so you can uh, buy those images if you just go to the breeze little website um you can, uh, you know, if you. I'd want. love to have a NASA face <laughs> really, yeah. in my bathroom think, or something. I think it might like... be worth getting into debt for. I mean, three hundred yeah. quid. <laughs> Reasonably priced. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they've got like a, a sort of NASA sticker. Label. Sticker. On yeah, it. it's got a kind of little uh, um, reference number, and it does actually say NASA on it. It's cool. cool. <laughs> oh, I like that. So um, next up, we have something from this duo um from manchester um one of them's actually french and they're really difficult to define um they combine eastern european folk with dirty sounding doors like vocal and a bit of nick cave thrown in for good measure um so you'll see what i mean in a minute um they're playing at the seabright arms on monday the 3rd of march and they're called naked on drugs and this track is called death dance Yeah, my dancing partner, she's so pretty. 
Her hand in my blue jeans, a smile on her face. She snaps her fingers, then I snap her neck. Death Dance from Naked on Drugs. Now, I went along to the rehearsals of a play about life and death that's starting soon. I'm Alex Magliero. I am currently playing Joe Pendleton in the Cedos production of Heaven Can Wait. If you remember Quantum Leap, the television show, That was based off of this play. So the play was written in, in 1938 uh, by Harry Seagal. And the story gets a bit convoluted, but it's basically this guy is pulled away from out of his body before he is meant to die. And so the angels have to find him a new body. And then whilst they're doing that, he falls in love with a girl. And then he needs to figure out how to then stay in that body in order to get the girl to fall in love with him. And then blah, blah, blah. It's basically like a 1930s rom-com right and what are the highlights of the play i would say the highlights would be sort of unexpected comedy it would be like watching one of the old black and white films from the 30s it, it'll make you laugh make you cry a little bit and then at the end you'll sort of leave the theater thinking oh that was really sweet what a sweet show tell me about the set as well Uh, the set goes between three different things. The first part is in heaven, and so it's a bit. The stage will be a bit stark. I think there's it'll be some dry ice sort of stuff, clouds like you're sort of above the clouds. The second part, you're in a very posh 1930s living room in Manhattan, and then the third part is set in a locker room of a boxing ring. How did you prepare for the role? Did you take any boxing classes? Yeah, so I've been taking I've been taking a lot of boxing classes and I've stopped drinking, which is a big thing. And I've been exercising like five times a week to try to get in shape just because the character's supposed to be 23, really sharp and fast and quick. And I really wanted to make sure I was just emulating that. And Tell me about the saxophone. Yeah, I had to learn how to play the saxophone. It's such a small part, but it's like... 
10 seconds I have to play the saxophone, I still be able to do it. And, you know, I've, I've never played it before, so... You wouldn't want to scare the audience just by 10 seconds or two. <laughs> I know, but it's supposed to be. I mean, I think he's not meant to actually be very good, but at the same time, I still actually have to learn how to play. Mrs. Farnsworth, I, I need to point out to you, nor to you, Miss Logan, how important it is for you to help me in this case. Tell the inspector everything, Mrs. Farnsworth. You have nothing to fear, not to think. What's the cast background? Are you all full-time actors? No, CEDOS, it's called the Stock Exchange Dramatic and Operatic Society. Weirdly enough, like in 1905, the Stock Exchange of the City of London created all of these sort of extracurricular clubs, and they've been going on since. And I think the CEDOS, and the only other one at the time that's still going is the Golf Club, I believe. I think now, there's only a couple of people who are in the show who actually st still work in the city. You know, I work at City, and, and one of the other girls works at J.P. Morgan, but some of the guys are aspiring actors and other people just have sort of day jobs so it's, it's a real you know it's it's amdram and where can people find tickets and how much are they uh, tickets are between like 11 and 18 pounds um, I think you can get them on the website which is cdos s-e-d-o-s dot co dot uk it'll be performed at the Bridewell Theatre which is just off of Fleet Street from March 4th to the 8th Wow, that sounds really exciting. I'm looking forward to going. Yeah, and seeing I, that. I, I did like it. I'm I love really... that guy's voice. He's like such a storyteller. You can I know. Read. I'd like it's... him to read me bedtime stories. It's very <laughs> engaging, isn't it? Okay, so um, all the Queen's Ravens are a band that mixes pop, folk, flamenco, and blues in a very particular way. The, the band includes two lead vocalists, Charlotte Edgett and Laura Hillman. Um, so they are in the studio um, to explain how they manage the amazingly talented voice on stage to, with two people, and uh, which is actually quite unusual in the music scene. Welcome, Camilla and Laura. Thank hi. you. Hi. <laughs> so, yes, how do you manage two amazing voices on stage, not competing because I already saw you live and it's just yeah. it's so amazing and beautiful that listening to two great voices together. No, there would never be any competing with, with Charlie and I. We've been best friends for many years, ever since we were young girls. And um, we've always kind of messed about singing together. And so when we kind of had the opportunity to actually start playing music together, which was always kind of like this distant dream, um, it just worked instantly. You know, and I think that's because there's a lot of, you know, the energy in our relationship as friends and, and two people that get along really well and get each other and our differences and our equalities, we get them, you know, so that, yeah, it just works. It's just really easy. <laughs> um, also, tell me about your um, first album, which is called Hearts for Judas. Mm -hmm. This was a lot of work, Hearts for Judas. <laughs> it took about two and a half years was it about that kind of time yeah, yeah to really come together and for us to make the decision that it was the time was right to just get in the studio and get it done and those particular tracks um that we wanted to have down because we've got such a huge repertoire um yeah, is it always very hard to choose tracks for the first album isn't it because you always <laughs> need you always think oh this is the, the baby the exactly. first one <laughs> it's really exciting because it's a real a real mixture of um Spanish influences and English influences and um, I think the strength of the album is uh, you know the combining the English vocals and the Spanish vocals is really unusual so yeah. it's really exciting to pull it together yeah is there a Spanish background or is it just the love Are you I grew up in you, Spain okay. so yeah spent all my you know childhood running around beaches and 
mountains of the south of Spain and watching old Mexican (laughs) musicals and yeah no it was really beautiful I was really lucky to grow up in such a beautiful place but um so I'm fluent bilingual Spanish and that had to that had to come out somewhere yeah of course um are you signed to a a label is this no not at the moment yeah we're completely independent at the moment managing ourselves and doing everything by ourselves Camilla's a, a whiz kid with (laughs) <laughs> with all it's these <laughs> multimedia I get a little bit like oh. <laughs> but yeah Camilla's really good with all that stuff and she, we're really lucky to have her on board and everybody does their bit and um, we kind of all contribute and share and, and kind of carry the load but it would be nice to have some outside help at some point soon hopefully because you're six people in band right yeah so um, funny question all the Queen's Ravens as an ice cream flavour. How would you define yourself as? <laughs> <laughs> I don't eat ice cream. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to let Camilla off on that one. Um, there'd probably be some red wine. I, I know, red wine and tea. That's right. That sounds terrible. <laughs> it sounds terrible. But it's mostly what we drink when we rehearse. Yeah. It's one swig of tea and one swig of red wine. Oh. So it sounds like Walker's Crisps, but... Um, <laughs> well, that works, because that's the music is amazing, so... That's a good combination. Anyway. Who's the red wine, who's the tea? We both, we both everything. Everyone. <laughs> we're going to have to go back and make it. We're going to have to try it out. Yeah, I think we should. We you should definitely tell involved. us what it's like. <laughs> so, um, guys, when is your next gig happening? On Friday the 28th of February, we're playing um, The Fiddler's Elbow in Kentish Town. Um, for a promoter called Before the Gold Rush. So it's going to be a lot of fun. There's some really great bands playing alongside us. We've got the Barker Band, who I love. They've been around for quite a while as well. Um, yeah, really enjoy their music. Um, and then the other two, who I can't remember off the top of my head right now, um, I checked them out online, and they're really good as well. And, yeah, I, if think, people... I think if anyone's around, they should come, because it's going to be a really, really good night. Um, is it a free night or how how much are the tickets? For it's three them? pounds on the door. That's pretty. Get in. That's no, excuses. no excuses. No excuses. Friday night. Three pounds for a night. Party night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dancing. Why not? So mm-hmm. we should definitely um, know what you guys are going to play for us. We're going to do um, a song called "High for Free." And then. And then we're going to do "Shipper Falls." <laughs> All right. Thanks very much, guys. Yeah, thank, thank, you. thank you. Thanks so much for coming in. No need for shoes. No, I'm always. 
running against the wind, just let it all blow over. Ain't no need to be listening to all those lies they tell ya. It ain't proving anything to you. You got your own agenda, and you should listen. The truth is in the rhythm. Thanks so much. That was um, all the Queen's Ravens there. Awesome band. Um, now it's time, it's that time in the show where we bring you the best picks of what's happening around East London in the next coming weeks. Um, you can see them all online on our website, eastcastshow.com, as well as via our Twitter updates. Um, or you can hear them now. Uh, Nia, <laughs> what have you got? <laughs> well, um, I've got a few picks for, for, the, for the coming weeks. So my first one is Don Gill of the Green Breaches, and that's at the Arcola Theatre in and ghostly happenings that seems scary so more ghosts not with mm. green trousers this time <laughs> and this is on Saturday the 1st of And then um, there's going to be spooky organ music played to accompany them. Sounds very appropriate for <laughs> church yeah. church viewing. We've actually got a pair of tickets to give away. Exciting. So um, all you have to do is tweet us your favourite horror film to East Car Show and we'll pick a winner out of an imaginary hat <laughs> and get in touch with you and, you know, then it's you'll be on the guest. Yeah, well, <laughs> exactly. Well, that's a pretty good deal because the ticket's £12. more listings i've got one for you and i'm actually going to play you a little snippet from what's 
one of the things that's happening at this this event. So um, I'm going to play you a track from Predator, who is one of the many artists playing as, as part of this Just Jam event at the Barbican, which is a massive event um, with people like Omar Suleiman, R.P. Boo and Lightbulb, Sophie Mount Kimby, Loafer and Chunky, and loads more, all playing as part of um, this uh, event at the Barbican on the 1st of March. And it's organised by East London photographers and documenters of the London grime scene, Tim and Barry, and they'll be showcasing their new project to create a live version of the online TV show they've been producing for the past four years called Just Jam. And if you're listening to the show um, live on NTS, this track called Red Bull should just definitely get you energised for the day. We'll be right back. 
So that was Predator with Red Bull. Nia, more listings for us? Yeah, so next up, um, you know, off the back of London Fashion Week, New York Fashion Week, which have been happening recently, uh, Oval Space invites you to Fashion Sunday. Um, a fashion marketplace for men's and women's clothes, shoes, jewellery and accessories carefully curated from a selection of London's most exciting independent labels. So that's on Sunday the 2nd of March from 11am and tickets are £3 on the door and that's at Oval Space. Right, I've been saving the best till last because I think this sounds brilliant. Uh, there's going to be a four-day pop-up restaurant in Hoxton called Grub. You're probably thinking, yeah, Grub, uh, slang for food. No, Grub as in insect. Mm, so it's okay. inspired by Thai street food. Um, and it's a collaboration between Edible Insect Importers Grub and um, and Chang Beer. And it will be at Munkers in Hoxton Square from Wednesday 5th of March. So on their website, it says healthy, sustainable and delicious. Let Grub convert you to the insect revolution. Grub are leading the way in the next generation of foodies and trendsetters by incorporating insects into their flavoursome dishes that not only taste great, but also pack a serious protein punch. <laughs> I feel like so, there's, this may be an episode for I'm a Celebrity getting out of here. Exactly. I'm just wondering. So if you're thinking, okay, insects. you know, I'm quite open-minded. I, you know, I'll, I'll try a little insect. No, no, this is a seven-course experience. So, you know, you'll no be way. thrown into the bug deep end. My goodness. Um, there'll be two seatings each night, six till eight and 8.30 till 10.30. And tickets are £36.58. I want to go. This sounds brilliant. <laughs> spiders? Will there be spiders? No, badly. Like, the details. I'm tempted, but again, it sort of puts me off a bit that there's seven courses of it. It's an experience. It's a whole thing. <laughs> I'm reminded you come out a different person. <laughs> exactly. You can't. <laughs> Maybe an insect. <laughs> Well, if you like all these um, information, you can go to our website, eastcarshow.com, um, for more details. And um, Pearl? Um, so to play us out, we have um, all the Queen's Ravens back with us for another live session. Um, and they will be playing Ship of Fools. And so there's just enough time before we go to say thank you very much. We've been Eastcast, recorded in the Abbott Street Studios in Dalston. We're on NTS every other Monday at 8am. In the meantime, you can catch us anytime on eastcarshow.com or on iTunes. Um, watch out for our regular updates on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening. We'll leave you with all the Queen's Ravens. Lights making shapes on the ceiling As the day starts evicting the stars For a while I thought the room was still spinning The world turned on its axis too hard For my faraway baby don't listen To the sound of the cats in the dark Ain't ain't we fools for thinking We'll float and not sink it If we drink until the end of the jar Oh, ship of fools, ship of fools, we are sailing. Be sure you understand what you say. Oh, somebody help me, please.
Cause my soul it burns with feral flame And my poor heart bleeds like a savage beast That I have yet to tame And I guess I find it hard to explain How I ended up in this place again Still I can tell by the way you're looking at me lately Maybe you and I are in the same game Oh, what kind of hand, what kind of hand are you playing To put the other gamblers to shame Oh, God damn you, pretty baby, I don't care if I don't see you again. 